Hi, I'm Sylvia Sue. Welcome to More Than a Cake Store, a podcast where we'll explore stories of women in the Presbyterian Church of New South Wales who have faithfully responded with the gifts that God has given them, no matter how big or small, to the call of the gospel. And whether that skill is baking or banking, God receives it, hones it, and uses it for his glory. Our hope is that you'll be awed by God's graciousness and encouraged by these conversations to take the gifts that God has given and use them in service of him. Because after all, even a cake store in service of the king is more than a cake store. Welcome to our second episode of More Than a Cake Store. We're going to continue our conversation with Liz McLean, who joined us last time, as she shared with us about the foundations of Jericho Road, how the gospel has always been a core part of that ministry. In this conversation, we're going to go a little bit deeper into Liz's personal story. We're going to hear how God shaped her right from the very beginning with parents and grandparents who were passionate about serving God. We're going to hear how God prepared her to serve as CEO of Jericho Road. And we're also going to hear about how Liz, along with her church in Winmalee, responded when bushfires ravaged their hometown in 2013. Thanks for coming back, Liz. Now, you've already introduced yourself to us in the last episode, so I won't make you do that again. Tell us something that might surprise us about yourself, Liz. I guess it depends on who you are, what, how surprised you'd be. Um, one thing that a few people know now is that um, I, I love painting. I love um, art and yes. um, got back to it recently during some long service leave, so that's been nice. Wonderful. A woman of many talents. Uh, you were trained in commerce, not arts, uh, industrial <laughs> relations and organisational behaviour, and you began your career in the finance sector and then you worked as a consultant. Um, how did you end up at Jericho Road? John and I had been in ministry at a Cowra Presbyterian Church and we just moved back so that he could take up a position at Christ College. Uh, and I was in the process of moving my consultancy business, which was largely based in Canberra, um, back to the Sydney Basin. And John sent me an email and it was uh, an, an advertisement for a job in the Presbyterian Church setting up the uh, child protection unit, as it was then. And he sent me an email, which I still have. I found it the other day uh, that says that said, um, you could do this. And I emailed back and said, yes, but why on earth would I want to? <laughs> uh, but then after thinking and praying about it for a while, I thought actually um, I could do that. And it is a really important work and we need to do it well. And so I applied and so ended up working with Presbyterian Social Services. And then from there, I picked up a few more of the program management over a number of years. And then I was appointed CEO in 2014. Okay. Is there a specific passage of scripture that has shaped and inspired your ministry at Jericho Road? Absolutely. Uh, The parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, which you can find in Luke 10, um, You can just think of the Samaritan on the road to Jericho, uh, just one man, not an important man. Uh, He wasn't part of a huge organisation with a complex plan of action to help, you know, all the needy people in the world. He was just a man who had mercy on someone who other people, who probably should have stopped, um, hadn't stopped. Uh, And, yeah, so that that is really the focus of um, how I see justice and mercy ministry. Yeah. And it's a beautiful um, 
I don't know, parallel there that that's the passage and mm. work now is Jericho Road. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's not only your ministry or your career, it's also a passage that inspires you uh, your yeah. day-to-day. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Yeah. Um, can you share a story about how God prepared you to work at Jericho Road? Oh, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Um, I often find myself at different points um, wondering, you know, how, how did I get here? <laughs> and then I look back over all the, all the rich things that God has taught me over my whole life, really. Yeah. Um, justice is one of the things that I have always been passionate about, even as a child. Um, I was one of those children who, you know, couldn't tolerate the injustice when I saw it happening around me. Uh, and probably spoke out a little too loudly occasionally. Uh, Growing up, I had parents and grandparents who had um, a really strong community sense of mercy. Uh, They were people who helped people. So I guess I saw that in action around me and was struck by the impact that it had on other people's lives. So um, my parents didn't have a huge amount, but they had more than other people in our little town. And they would use that in ways um, that would not just give a helping hand, but also preserve people's dignity um, and choice. And I think I learned that very early on. Um, a little kindness goes a really long way. Yeah. So, and then moving into industrial relations, um, dealing with people and resolving conflict, um, getting to know how the world works. Um, in, in a in a business sense, I suppose. Yeah. And then times in consultancy, um, I really took up consultancy when we moved out to Cara because I left my job in the finance sector um, and ended up subcontracting to all sorts of different things. So I have an intimate knowledge of the policies and processes of the uh, animal pound in the ACT, among other things. Excellent. <laughs> Not very useful, you might think. But actually a lot of those things were focusing around quality and safety, measuring against government standards, interacting with legislation, um, looking at the need for policies and protocols, creating programs, delivering programs and helping them build. So there's a lot of experiences in there that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So, um, And then I guess one of the other big things that has shaped me is that I married John and um, we've worked in ministry together for a long time now. And so... um, working and living a Christian approach to justice and mercy um, together and seeing how that those things work together um, has really shaped my understanding of it. Our God is not just a just God and he's not just a merciful God. Um, he's both. Yeah. God's justice and mercy should shape how we live. And, um, yeah, it's been a real privilege to be able to have this role where I can encourage other people to grow in both. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, one of the things I've loved in recording these um, podcasts is seeing the thread through people's lives as God. Mm. Uh, you know, nothing happens by chance or coincidence. It's God just laying out the steps yeah. uh, and women faithfully just following where God is calling them. And then all of these beautiful pieces come together and you think, wow, you are perfectly suited for the ministry you're doing because in God's kindness, whether it's been hardship, mm. yeah. beautiful examples or a um, supportive marriage or a, career or a scholarship that comes in randomly and look how God uses it all together for the growth of his kingdom and the glory of his name yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah and I love uh 
I love a passionate little girl. And I, I love I love this picture of even uh, the passion being shaped well uh, through industrial relations and so that now you're not just yelling passionate things, you're able to work strategically and engage the powers that be to make the change that needs to happen. I just think that's really exciting. In 2013, bushfires ravaged the Lower Blue Mountain and particularly Winmalee, where you live. Um, I'm really interested to hear this story because I guess it's not just you doing this as CEO, but you being involved in this um, in your local church community as your church activated to help uh, those in need. Um, what did this teach you about the way that Jericho Road can best help people in a natural disaster? We just stopped and thought, well, what do we have? We have a generous church community. We have a building that's right in the heart of Winmalee that has a massive hall. At that point, we had access to um, the recycling and retail shops that we used to run. So we had access to that. And so we just kind of started by looking at what was going on in our community. And as you said, it was very personal because it was right here. Yeah. And how could we help? So the very first thing we did was actually just open the doors to the church and let people in because yeah. there were a lot of people standing outside who couldn't get home. Yeah. Um, and we basically had the church building open uh, for weeks, months, um, in various ways so that there was somewhere for people to go. Yeah. Um, because we were local, we were allowed into areas where other people couldn't go. And so um, teams of people would, very early on the first day, um, we're just walking the streets and yeah. uh, stopping with people and saying, what do you need? Can I help you? Um, this brings tears to my eyes, so you probably hear it in my voice, including our very young daughter at the time. Yeah. Um, but they just took bottles of water and sandwiches and just stopped and sat with people in the gutter quite often um, and talked with them Yeah. and prayed with them if that's what they wanted. Um, yeah, yeah. And we got a letter from someone oh, quite a long time later, which just blew my mind, <laughs> where they said something along the lines of, there wasn't anyone else. And you came when we were thirsty, you came when we were hungry, and you sat with us and cried. Yeah. Basically. And I thought, oh, gosh, that's, that's what we need to do. <laughs> that's what we need to do. We need to walk with people. We need to help their practical needs. And we need to sit with them and cry. That's what yeah. we need to um, Yeah, so we did that early on. That kind of morphed into um, people need clothing and those sorts of things. We had a massive amount of stuff donated. It was a good thing we did have recycling and retail because there were yeah. tons of it, way more than one community could use. Um, but... But it did allow us to pack clothes for people um, and to then have a conversation about what else do you need? Yeah. And how else can we help? Um, and from there, we, uh, we had some financial donations. Uh, so we did things like put together kitchen packs for people who were, we'd lost, you know, all their pots and pans and knives and forks and cups and things yeah. um, that we could give out. Um, and... Yeah, using those finances later on when it got closer to Christmas, we put together Christmas boxes that had decorations, something special, um, mm. some gifts and things, knowing that people had lost all of that. They'd lost their yeah. treasured kind of stuff that used to come a Christmas tree. Um, so monitoring what was happening in the, in the community, um, 
we had a we had freezers in our carport here. Um, started with one, ended up with three or four, something like that, mm-hmm. which were donated by people. We just plugged them all in. Yeah, and those freezers were filled with um, home cooked meals that people could just come and collect. Yeah. One of the things we learned through that process in particular was that because we were small and we didn't have government funding, we could be much less bureaucratic about giving help. Um, If people wanted a meal from those freezers, they could just come and get one. They didn't have to fill in a form. They didn't have to leave their name and address. Um, They didn't have to retell their story of trauma and grief um, again. Uh, and people said, well, how do you know if they've lost their home? And I went, I don't care. If they, if they <laughs> live in Wimberley and they need a meal, I don't care if they're the next door neighbour of someone who lost their home or, yeah. you know, if they live, they live here, they need food, then they can come and get it. Yeah. But again, you know, little things like a scrap of paper left on the windscreen of our car that just said, thank you so much. You know, that's, it, they were simple things, but... That time was a really rich time of learning for me um, and others in Jericho Road about how to go about disaster appeals. Um, And ever since then, what we've done is we collect funds um, and then with those funds, we send it out to local churches. So we send them out to local Christians who are living in the communities that have been affected and say to them, you can do what's needed with these funds. Yeah. If that is buying a brass plaque to go on the grave of a family dog um, who died in a fire and you've helped bury the dog, then that's what it goes to. It goes to buy a brass plaque, you know. Yeah. If that's building a fence to keep a horse in, if it's buying a laptop for a child if he needs to go to school, if it's buying a microwave so that someone has something to make warm food, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You can use it for whatever those people need at that time. Um, and it's been wonderful to see how that's worked in yeah. other places. So, yeah. And the generosity of God's people, um, it's just been amazing to see. So we've, we've been able to fund um places in drought and in flood and in fire the richness of that blessing um in people's lives Mm. i think um the precious thing in all of this is in as as that that person wrote in the letter that luke 24 passage of when i was hungry you fed me Mm. when i was thirsty you gave me something to drink when i needed clothes you clothed me um and to know that um this is the important work that christ has called us to this is um, this is how God's people not receive their salvation, but demonstrate our salvation. It's how we demonstrate what Christ has done for us. Yeah. Uh, responding that way to the community, bringing to people what they need, where where they are, um, when they need yeah. it. I think that's that's beautiful. That's right. Yeah. And I think the other the other lesson it taught me was that um, I mean, when Malays, you know, relatively well off kind of part of the world, um, and we don't have a lot of violence or a lot of crime or a lot of anything, actually. <laughs> it's all pretty quiet. But when a natural disaster hits, it kind of rips the lid off that, yeah. that supposed calm. Yeah. And we got to make people who, they're sure they've been impacted by the fire, but actually they were dealing with all this other stuff at the same time. Yeah. But they hadn't talked to anybody about it because you don't, you know, 
(laughs) because my life has to look okay on the outside so I don't talk to people but suddenly it it became okay to say I'm struggling with this as well as having been impacted by the fire so trying to remember that once everything kind of went back to normal that there are still people here in this seemingly calm beautiful place that I live who are still hurting who are still in need Uh, yeah they have a house again but um, they're still hurting yeah yeah um what has it meant for Jericho Road to show God's love and mercy in practical ways you've told us how you've done that uh, at Wimmerley how else has Jericho Road been able to do that so I think I think our role is part of coordinating and encouraging um, people um, locally uh, just to keep going with the, you know, natural disaster thing. Um, the 2019 fires across New South Wales were an example of where we put that into practice. Um, and then what happened down the south coast uh, was the 2019 fires had a huge impact. Then there were floods um, that came in after the fires. Because fires remove trees, that means there are things like landslips and all sorts of stuff. It's three years now and there are still people there who don't have a home. Uh, There are still people living in tents. There are still people in communities that are cut off. Mm. But there's still a small group of God's faithful people who are going out and talking to those people and providing practical help and support and praying for them. Yeah. So... um, that's, a, that's just one of, you know, lots of congregations, lots of individuals who do things. Yeah. Um, yeah. We do winter warmer boxes. We do food. We do all of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, we support the Sydney refugee team. Um, and mm-hmm. we were looking at what we could do. Obviously, refugees and asylum seekers are a group of people in need. Yeah. And we thought, well, we could start a ministry there, but if there's somebody else doing it who is like-minded, can we support them? Uh, so that's what we do. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, yeah, we have grown that relationship over the last few years um, yeah. with lots of practical support. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Have, have there been any highlights for you in your ministry with Jericho Road um, in the last, you know, 10 or so years you've been there? Less so many. <laughs> So many. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking, oh, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> I think for me, it's the it, it's things like the note from the bushfire. It's things like the little scrap of paper under my windscreen wiper. Yeah. Um, it's things like uh, a letter from someone that the CPU had helped who said um, something along the lines of... Um, when nobody else would believe me, you believed. This is the love of God in action. And mm. those kind of things where I see the impact of God's work in people's lives through the little things that we do, um, yeah, they're, they're highlights. I've loved seeing the chaplaincy ministry grow. Yeah. Um, I've loved that we've been able to move into juvenile justice. Mm. Um, I've loved seeing our children's services draw together and flourish um, and the work that, that they do in their communities, um, particularly at, at Tregea with the Indigenous community there. It's yeah. just a, it's a wonderful place. It's just yeah. amazing seeing um, God's blessing in that way. Um, we had a long-held dream, and it took nearly 10 years, I think, 
to get Christian counselling out into the west of New South Wales. Mm. Um, and so we have a counsellor who travels out that way. She hasn't been able to as much because of COVID, but to do counselling in Weewool. And you yeah. think, yeah, that's, that's got it work because it wasn't us. Yep. <laughs> um, seeing local churches take up the challenges, um, learning more about disability for me has been a highlight, um, mm. challenging some of my preconceptions. Um, and seeing other people challenged, um, you know, seeing seeing people seeing people smile, yeah, yeah, seeing people smile, and you know, just you think, um, the, yeah, those little things, those little kindnesses, make a mm. big difference to people. Yeah, um, and most recently, just seeing the amazing support um, financially for Alan last year when we were impacted by COVID. Yeah, um, which is continuing on but when when other people from outside uh, the church ask us you know well who, who are your big donors I said well we've got one or two and they go one or two like, and then we've got like thousands of small donors yeah and it blows their mind because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. most charities run with you know lots of big donors and very few small kind of yeah. ones but we're the other way around this huge group of people who are so generous. Um, just loved hearing about other local churches who were supporting Aloha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by running kids' church programs and people who were knitting and sending in blankets or craft yeah. activities. Um, it was just so lovely to see how, um, as a denomination, we've embraced Aloha as our yeah. church and our hospital. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's been the greatest thing you've learned in your role as CEO? How have you seen God's hand at work? Um, I think I think the things I've learned are that I've, I've learned to rely on God more. Um, mm. I'm a bit of a stand on your own two feet kind of person. <laughs> but, but you can't in this role um, and in this kind of ministry. Mm. You have to rely on God. So that's been very good for me, I think. <laughs> um, I've been taught by a number of people around me in my ministry team to spend more time in prayer. Yeah, which is also really important. Um, I've always loved people. I really like people. I think they're endlessly fascinating. And I'm really thankful that what I get to do um, in amongst the spreadsheets and other things is, is work with people Yeah, and to walk beside people. Um, what words of advice would you offer to a woman who has a heart for and wants to serve her community and her church through Justice and Mercy Ministry? Do it. Yeah, good. <laughs> Done. Do it. Jump in. Um, uh, more than just do it. Um, I think stopping to have a think about what it looks like for you, what are your skills, um, stopping and thinking what it looks like for your community, where, where do you live? Oh. Who are your people? Um, where do you naturally go? And stopping to think about your environment. So who else is there with you um, and, and what's possible? Once you've done that, dream big yeah. and then do small. It's okay to want to cure world hunger, but start with one bag of rice, you know, um, because if you, if you wait until you've got everything you need to cure world hunger, um, you'll never do anything. <laughs> so, so dream big, but but start small. Um, doing it with other people, it's not always possible, but it often makes it more achievable. 
Mm. Um, and be adaptable. Things change over time. So you might be passionate about something and you run that for a number of years and then you need to stop and do something else. And that can be hard to stop when yeah. you've loved doing something, but sometimes, you know, there's a season for something and then it changes. Yeah. Um, and I think being careful to make things sustainable for the for the, mm. the long term, you know. Um, again, if you if you try too much too soon, you can burn people out. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Walking beside each other, not not sprinting together, yeah. <laughs> which for some uh, is a bit of a challenge sometimes. Yes, slow down. We get there, yeah. we get there now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think oh, I think. Looking, look, you're right. Looking at ministries around you and saying, you know, well, what can I do? Looking where the needs are, finding the people um, who need help, and take living by examples from others. You know, my my grandmother was a, a life member of the PWA, um, and I don't know how many decorated cupcakes she made in her life, but 400 million probably, and that was right for her in her community in her day and her generosity through um, raising funds that helped local people yeah. through being the kind neighbour. Um, yeah. And it, I think if you then step into our lives now, you know, 100 years later, you go, okay, I can do that, but actually I can't because A, I can't cook or B, I don't have time. Um, <laughs> that doesn't mean... That, that you can't do something, yeah. it just means it'll look different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why we've named this podcast More Than a Cake Store, yeah. um, because it's not to diminish um, the grandmothers who were yeah. baking cakes and using that to bless people or to fundraise, because that has, I mean, even those cupcakes or those cakes were more than just a cake. They were Absolutely. God's love in action. They were uh, financial, um, you know, means for the church, the ministries of the church. Yeah. Um, it just whatever it looks like on the appearance, it's so much more than that. And yeah. I think that is, yeah. yeah, what we're hoping to inspire with people with. If all you can do is bake a cupcake, man, that cupcake is going to be the best cupcake used for God's kingdom. It's so much more than a cupcake. Yeah, that's exactly right. Thank you so much for your time, Liz. That's been uh, really helpful. My pleasure. Yeah. Let me pray uh, for you and the work of Jericho Road that's happening in your local church community. Father, we thank you uh, so much for the way that you have um, called Liz and shaped her and prepared her uh, in so many ways by the people you've placed around her, by the mind you've given her, the training that she's had, the work opportunities. Uh, Lord, all of this uh, has come together for the glory of your name as you have um, equipped her to lead Jericho Road as it is today, but also to serve you faithfully in her community and in the relationships that you've given her. Father, we pray that you'll continue to sustain her in her work, uh, but we also pray that you will continue to sustain Jericho Road. Um, we pray uh, that men and women everywhere in the Presbyterian Church um, will feel the call of the gospel uh, to step out in faith and to serve you uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus, exactly where you've called us to be and in exactly the way that you've called us to do it. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this uh, episode of More Than a Cake Store. Our next episode, we'll have 
uh, Deaconess Nicole Mannix, speaking to us uh, about the establishment of Deaconess Ministries in New South Wales over 110 years ago. We're going to hear about these tenacious women who went out into Sydney's underbelly and shared the love of Jesus uh, with the women and children uh, in those communities. This podcast is a ministry of the Presbyterian Church of New South Wales Women's Ministry Committee. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at pcnswomen.org.au. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share it with your friends so that they too will be encouraged by these conversations to take the gifts that God has given them and use them in service of healing.